Today in our gospel, we hear how incredibly excited people are to hear Jesus. He sets off in a boat with his disciples to go to a deserted place, but by the time they land, a huge mob has already run there and gotten there ahead of them. What were the people searching for? I don't think they exactly knew. Mark says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. But this was something big, bigger than the Bobby Soxers going crazy about Sinatra in the 40s or Beatlemania in the 60s or Michael Jackson in Japan in the 80s and 90s or Bieber fever today. I don't know. I mean, we hear this passage and it just sounds, it's just a couple sentences and we don't really think about how crazy this event must have been. Our first reading is Jeremiah giving an oracle about shepherds, but this is not that usual bucolic sheep and shepherd analogy. God is condemning the kings of Israel, promising to provide new shepherds for the people. But the crowd with Jesus clearly is not searching for a new political leader. Starting next week and for five weeks, Jesus gives us a difficult teaching, the teaching that he gives to this crowd, apparently the guidance that they needed, but the majority of them find this teaching very difficult to accept. If God provided us with everything we needed today, would we even recognize that our prayers had been answered? Lord Jesus, you taught us to call God our Father because he provides all that we need. Lord, have mercy. Christ Jesus, you give us our spiritual daily bread. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you will continue to guide us as we negotiate the challenges of life. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Some of my friends have said to me, it must be so difficult being a priest Hearing people's sins, going to prisons, visiting the dying, preaching at funerals. I say to them, no, those things are not hard or scary after the first few times. Hearing confessions is an absolute joy. The opportunity to sit with someone who wants to grow in their relationship with God and having the ability to convey God's love and mercy to them. Mass in prison is among the easiest things I do. These guys are so grateful that someone is visiting and giving them the opportunity to talk about real things. It's easier to visit the sick once you realize that you don't have to have the answers. The prayers of the church offer reassurance to those going through times of uncertainty. And funerals are times to celebrate what has been and the better things to come and to help families know that it's okay to grieve. Now, although I am an extreme extrovert, the hardest job for me most weeks, actually, is attending the Sunday supper. I love meeting people. I love talking with people. I love seeking out people who are new to introduce myself and introduce them to others and make them feel welcome. But week after week, it is exhausting to seek out the new people. It's so much easier to just hang out with the many people of the parish I already consider to be my good friends. And newcomers look suspiciously like old-timers. So I worry about offending old-timers by mistaking them for newcomers. (laughs) 
Another thing sometimes happens in groups with regular turnover, like a university parish like John 23rd. This phenomenon, the best I've heard it described, was by our own Fatima Murillo, who gave an amazing reflection on this to our first CSA meeting in the fall of 2013. CSA is now called Vol Catholic. Fatima made some best friends at UT through CSA during her freshman and sophomore years, but she started to drift away from CSA in her junior year. And she finally did some real soul-searching and recognized why she was drifting away. CSA now included people she didn't know. And once she recognized that, she realized that wasn't a good reason to stop being part of CSA, and she came back. Perhaps something similar was happening to the Christian community at the time that the letter to the Ephesians was written. The first Christians were Jews, who before Jesus came along, they were dedicating their lives to following the Lord, and then they took great risks to start to follow Christ. But now lots of pagan Greeks were coming into the community, and it was wonderful that new people were joining them, but the Greeks were different. They didn't know the Torah, they didn't keep kosher, the adult men refused to undergo the pain of circumcision, and the Greeks had never even sung the psalms that they used in their worship. And the demographics were clear. Very soon, the community would be dominated by non-Jewish Greeks. The Jews surely welcomed the Greeks, but they probably hoped that these new Christians could be a little less Greek and a whole lot more Jewish. In case you old-timers haven't figured it out yet, this is my traditional late July homily, where I urge us to do everything to be genuinely welcoming to new people arriving here in droves in August. No talk about seating this year. If we are truly open to diversity within our community, we must open ourselves up to how these new people can enrich us and strengthen us by asking us to become a little different by them being part of us. Let's resolve to expend the extra energy to welcome others, even to the point of making sacrifices. Just a few thoughts. The first one is, it's always exciting to have more people at Mass, but let's not blame the new people for the harder time finding parking spaces. Second of all, maybe we could all be like Charlotte Higginbotham. She's one of the few people I can use her name in a homily, and I don't think she's going to get mad at me without asking permission. Every week when Charlotte comes to Mass, she introduces herself to someone here she doesn't know, and then she makes sure to introduce them to somebody she does know in the community. Can you imagine if we all did that every week? What a difference it would make. And last of all, if you accidentally treat an old-timer like a newcomer, they probably won't feel insulted. At the 2013 Parish Appreciation Dinner, I introduced myself to Nick, who was helping to serve the meal, not realizing that only a week or two before at the Sunday supper, I had sat with him and talked with him at length. And last August, I, after Mass, welcomed Davis back to campus after summer break. 
And then he gently pointed out that he lives in Knoxville and had been coming here every week. I am happy to report that Davis is still actively involved here. Nick has moved to Florida, but his mom, who's a parishioner, assures me it's not because of what I said. Or as the Ephesians, the letter of the Ephesians says to the Greeks and the Jews, Jesus Christ came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father.